Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Launch School podcast. Today, we are interviewing Benjamin Walker. And so far this season, we've had um, a lot of uh, capstone grad interviews. So we're trying to fit in a few student interviews just to kind of bridge that gap and get some exposure for what it's like at the time as a student in launch school. And uh, Benjamin has an interesting situation and uh, is a great student. So we're excited to have him. Hi, Benjamin. Hello, Brandy. Thank you for having me. Great, great. How are you doing? Super. I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for being here. Um, I think the first thing we wanted to talk about is just getting to know you a little bit um, in terms of like what type of student you are here at Launch School, maybe why you chose Launch School. Are you full-time studying, part-time studying? Uh, What's the deal? Yeah. So I was a high school mathematics teacher for a dozen years and I'm in my mid thirties. And so I started right out of college teaching at schools um, and loved teaching for a long time. Once my partner and I had our first child, our daughter, who right now is uh, not quite two and a half, uh, we decided that we wanted to change in our life. And, uh, the biggest change was that I was going to change careers from being a classroom teacher in the public schools in the city of Chicago, which is where we live. Um, and I wanted to, you know, close that chapter of my life and open this new chapter as a, eventually as a software engineer, my partner is in software engineering and, and then she's, she's been moved, uh, promoted to, um, technical project manager and things like that product owner, um, over her, tenure as an engineer. So then I wanted to move into similar work, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to see in the engineering. First, I need to become an engineer after launch school, but I think I'm more interested in the, in the pure engineering, whereas she's more a manager of people. But, um, I found launch school when I was looking for, you know, a way to change careers. And so I looked at universities and boot camps, and then launch school kind of in its own thing. And, and I was really excited by, my ability to move through core at my own pace. So your question about, am I a full-time, part-time, what am I doing? So the way I describe myself these days is that I am a full-time dada and a part-time <laughs> student because my daughter calls me dada. So um, mm-hmm. I'm a full-time parent and a part-time student. And that works really well for our family right now. Um, and I'm just so grateful that my my partner and I are in a position in our life where I can actually completely step back from my job um, and from earning income for our family. And, uh, you know, she continues to to work. And then I kind of do the whole like child care, run the house type stuff. It's great. And then in the mornings, the way that we do it is um, our daughter goes to, to preschool just in the mornings um, mm-hmm. from like 8.15 to noon. And during that time, most of the time uh, is, is when I'm doing my studies. Um, so very part-time I have like, my goal is to get three hours and 15 minutes to three hours and 45 minutes per day, uh, mm-hmm. five days a week. Um, so it comes out to about like 17 hours per week. So it's, I would describe that as very part-time, but it's because I get, uh, the full-time, uh, joy of being with my, with my two-year-old. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, uh, a question that a lot of parents might have is, are you progressing through the curriculum as you would like to? Uh, I mean, as I tell people a lot, if you can get a little bit of studying in every day, 
that's almost better than more study time once a week. So I hear do you that. feel good about your progress? I do. You know, I feel really, really good about our progress uh, or my progress through the curriculum. Um, being a parent is, you know, a life-changing experience. What I'll say about it as it relates to launch school is that the, you know, the focus on your child's life or like one, when one becomes a parent, one's focus on um, their child's life is just kind of, you know, it's kind of the most important thing. So like, you know, I have a goal for um, about three and a half hours per day, five days a week. Uh, and do I always hit that goal? No, because, you know, my daughter is two and, um, you know, we just got her ear tubes, uh, which is like a thing that doctors will give kids if they have a lot of ear infections, which <laughs> our daughter did. She got sick like every three weeks for her whole oh, year of being one year old. Um, and so, you know, now that she has ear tubes, she's much more frequently healthy. But during the time that she was before ear tubes and everything, she, um, you know, I would just not be able to, um, she would be home with me a lot, right? Cause you know, you yeah. don't send a sick kid to daycare or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so she would be home with me a lot and that's okay. I mean, I, you know, I, if, if I had been, I mean, it would have been really difficult if I were in a program where I didn't have the flexibility to just stay home with her and really hardly get much done for school that day. Um, if I had been enrolled at the University of Chicago or something, right. that class would have happened yeah. um, whether or not I was in that classroom. So in, in a lot of ways, this really filled my needs for, you know, the, the, the things that people join launch school for is like the flexibility. And, yeah. um, I, and, and I think what's nice to do it is like I try to keep I try to have very clear goals and priorities and then try to stick to them as best I can, but also like. When you're a parent, like I am, you just, you know, you just have to embrace this, this general, um, mentality of, you know, you do the best you can when you can do it, but mm -hmm. if your kid is sick or, you know, whatever, like you yeah. just have to, you, have, you, you take care of your kid. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're very flexible, but that's kind of the, the perk of launch school is that flexibility. Uh, so let's see your parent you're busy, you're flexible. What course are you in? Just to give people some context. Sure. Yeah. I'm in Ruby one. I'm in the end of 175 right now, Ruby 175. So that is like, I'm doing the CMS project and I'm, and I'm about to go into like the database course, um, which is kind of like, I think the last three courses of the Ruby mm -hmm. track before I get to front end. Yeah, I think 175 is where things start to really come together in the back end so far. It's been a lot of like, random tools and you're like, where do these fit together? And now things are starting to fit together. Yeah, um, I agree. It's been, it's been a wonderfully fulfilling and, and very challenging course for me. Uh, much more. So, I, I think things are coming together more in more ways than I realized they could. <laughs> so at first I was like, what is all this stuff happening? Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I, at the beginning of the course, I, I had to use the solutions much more than I was used to having to use the solutions to projects or problems and, uh, and now that I'm kind of like in the tail end of it and in the CMS project and about to be done with that, um, I'm able to, to write up 
like all the solutions and testing almost entirely by myself, which is very gratifying. But it was a huge shift, like the beginning of 175 to the end, um, kind of as you would expect, right? But mm-hmm. it's been a huge shift and, and, a, and a very challenging and gratifying course. Awesome. Well, you're nearing the end of the back-end curriculum. So let's pivot a little bit because I want to talk about something else. When I started reaching out to students for this idea, I had a few things in mind. I wanted to talk to parents. I wanted to talk to, you know, maybe some students who had gotten not yet, overcome setbacks. And when you filled out the interest form, you actually said, I have ADHD and I'm happy to talk about that. And I think that's great because a lot of people out there are probably wondering, um, you know, with whatever learning disability, you know, can I sit down at a computer and study like this? Can I do this text-based material? So how was that for you deciding to do launch school and how do you manage your ADHD? Yeah, thanks for asking. I am really happy to talk about ADHD. I was diagnosed in college, which is a little bit later than some people. Uh, they're often identified maybe in middle school or high school, um, and, and then I, you know, I continue to live with ADHD as an adult and, um, it's, it's taken me a while to get to, I used to think of it as a deficit. Um, and now thanks to some good friends of mine who have helped me talk about it more at first, I felt really awkward talking about it and like kind of embarrassed maybe, mm-hmm. even though intellectually I knew that, you know, being neurodiverse is not like quote unquote, my fault, or like, I I couldn't control that, right? There's nothing that I could do that would make me neurotypical or neurodiverse like that. It's just completely out of your hands, right? And Mm -hmm. so now, thanks to some several of my friends um, outside of launch school, but I've made a couple of friends inside launch school who are also neurodiverse. And it's just just great to, to be able to talk about that with, uh, with people. But um, yeah, it's, I tend instead now of seeing it as a as a, as a, um, not a detriment, but as like a deficit. Instead, I, I tend to see having ADHD as kind of a superpower. You know, I mean, it, like the superpower is that, um, like being able to focus really intensely on one thing at a time is a thing that it comes really, um, easily for some people with ADHD. Um, I guess I'll preface this that like people with ADHD, there's a huge spectrum for how it affects mm-hmm. them and how they engage with material and what types of what types of things they find distracting or not distracting, what types of medications may help or whatever. So I'll just speak from my own experience as a as a as a dude with ADHD. But um I think of it as a really cool thing about me. Like one thing is like I have ADHD, which is uh, like hyperactive, I guess. Um which just means I'm full of energy, which is great for parenting, by the way. So, <laughs> so, so side note, uh, is just like, it's wonderful to, to have lots of energy and always be able to keep up with, with my little sweetie. Cause she wants to run around and play and jump and whatever. Um, it really helps to, I mean, first of all, it just helps that I'm doing school only for a handful of hours a day, but, um, I was definitely nervous before I started school because be, before I started lunch school, because, you know, I was able to be successful with prescribed medication. I take a thing called Adderall, which is a, a psychostimulant, changes the brain chemistry for people with ADHD to basically give them like, um, if, if for those of our listeners that are not familiar with like what ADHD is or how Adderall works, um, 
it's uh, it's a stimulant and it adds, I forget exactly what, but like norepinephrine and dopamine and maybe serotonin um, to basically make uh, my brain chemistry like more similar to a person who's neurotypical. And then mm-hmm. focusing isn't, isn't as hard. Um, and actually it, it like when I'm on my prescribed medication, it, it feels like I can like really do the text-based work. Um, the coding feels really fun and problem solving um, for me like is something that I can kind of like almost uh, not ease into, but like something I'm like looking forward to and I can like dive right in and, and, and be really engrossed in that. Um, but I was nervous because, you know, sometimes for, for, for me with ADHD, if I'm by myself and I don't have a, uh, like a person or a group of people to focus on, then I can get really distracted really easily. Um, so it has taken a lot of practice because when I was a teacher, I was able to teach class great because I had a whole group of students. I'm responsible for their learning. I'm responsible for everything going on in the class. So it's very easy to keep my focus. But when it's just me and it's like me and like a text-based lesson or a video lesson, um, it can be, you know, I can, I can kind of like become really distracted. And so it's definitely taking some practice, I would say, for people who are considering, you know, doing launch school, maybe they have ADHD. Um, I'm not sure how well this this uh, generalizes to other types of neurodiversity, but I would just say like give yourself a grace period uh, and like be gentle with yourself as you learn a new set of skills. For me, it was a huge change uh, from being in charge of a classroom to just being in charge of like my own lesson with me and a computer screen. Um, it definitely helps to study with others. Um, I will be you know the ten thousandth launch school student that says wow, really helps to help to study with others, um, to have a group of people that you see on a regular basis and you can talk things out and help each other with questions and, and even just like put stuff into words. The spot sessions are really helpful, but, um, it took it, there was definitely a, a, uh, I mean, I would say I'm still in a growth process of figuring out how to be a solo student. I mean, I'm not a solo student, right? I have like a bunch of friends by a bunch. I mean, like, you know, six or seven, uh, like close friends that I study with frequently. And I really, I really like them and I, they really help me a lot and hopefully I help them too. But, um, it, it's just been a long process of, of making this transition, a whole new set of skills of being a solo learner with ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. and I would say, you know, I've actually studied with a couple people. Um, one person in particular who also had ADHD and she described feeling um, really uh, like just like struggling with this experience of ADHD, like like maybe that the launch school, um, you know, that the type of work that we were doing, the type of assessments did not really lend themselves well to his experience of mm. being a being a student with ADHD. But he also said that, you know, studying with another person who is uh, neurodiverse really helped him. And I think part of it is just like, you know, nobody likes to feel isolated, right? Like nobody wants to, um, as, as much as there is this trope about like software engineers, like being really like turned inward and not having good right. emotional skills, which I definitely somewhat fulfill ish. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I think like it's good to, to seek out a space where you can talk about even how you're feeling, right? Like I think for him, it really helped him say, um, cause I got an eye yet a while ago and in, in the, what is it? Ruby one nineteen the live in the live assessment, mm-hmm. the interview assessment. 
Um, and so that was, you know, that was a, that was a difficult experience. I know you're talking with a lot of other people about not yet, but then I, that after I passed that, then I, then I reached out kind of to like all of lunch school and it's like, Hey, I got a not yet. You know, here's what I learned. I'm more than happy to study with people. You know, if you're prepping for the live interview, I'd, I'd be really happy to, to help you prep. Like I learned a lot from my not yet experience. And now that I've passed it, um, I'm happy to kind of pay that forward. Cause a lot of people helped me get to the point where I passed the, the 119 interview. So then I was trying to like, you know, pay it forward. And so I connect, I forget how many, a lot of people reached out. I think I did like mock interviews with like 13 or 15 people that I'd never yeah. met. They're like, you'll mock interview me. Yes, please. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, it's great. I like, I really loved it. Um, I mean, the, the funniest experience about that, this is kind of a side note, but the funniest experience was like how many people, they were like, yeah, will you mock it? Like, give me a mock interview. And I was giving them a mock interview. And it was just so clear as they were doing these problems that they were so much better at coding than I was, even though I had already pressed, I had already passed the assessment and mm. they had not. They were like, yeah, I just, I just don't know if I'm, if I'm ready. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are, you are, you're so ready. You're obscenely ready. Like you need to go you take this. You were ready last month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get like get off this call right now and go schedule the interview. Just get schedule the interview. And they're like, Well, I don't know. And I'm like, no, 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 please. Like you gotta you gotta understand. And and it's it's not like it's not like they were being uh like what what they were doing was completely understandable. This isn't to say that those people were like weird or wrong. It's just like it's a new skill, right? So you don't know yeah. how prepared you need to be. So it's completely understandable that they didn't know that they were very fully prepared because they really hadn't done an interview like that before. So, mm-hmm. right. Like just, just to be clear, I'm not like making fun of those people that were overprepared. And I was happy to be in a position where I'm like, look, I took this assessment, you know, you definitely have so many skills. You are ready to go, go take this assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, sorry, the, this, this all to say that during that uh, sweep of interviews, I, I connected with another person with ADHD and honestly, I barely helped him with the coding, but I think he really, I mean, he told me this, this is why I, I know that he, he said to me that it just made him feel so much better and confident having talked to another student with ADHD, uh, that could kind of relate to his experience that he found really challenging and isolating. Um, so I would just say like, you know, just speaking for myself, but having this having this experience with connecting with at least at least one other person, two other people actually who are neurodiverse, it's just nice to talk about it, right? Like it it feels good to others to be able to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not even like the curriculum needs to change or the assessment needs to change or like that would be on the lunch school side. And it's sometimes it's not even that like the student needs to change or like learn a skill better or do more practice. Sometimes it really is just it's nice to connect with somebody else who's kind of gone through a similar thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and like just feeling that connection can put you in a place where, you know, you like put me in a place where I feel less anxious or I feel less jittery or I feel less, um, insecure. And then, and then like, okay, like I've, I've made this connection with somebody else who also has this developmental disability that I have too. And now I just feel like a sense of confidence that I didn't have before. And like, I don't really know what the science is behind it, but I just know that it's a real thing. Like sometimes mm-hmm. connecting with people on a personal level, um, you know, puts you in a better place to, to do better intellectual work. Even if the mm-hmm. connection you made with a person is not intellectual, right? It's yeah. just like the social 
I don't know, social emotional connection of like, oh yeah, man, like I have ADHD too. Yeah, that is hard, right? Like the timing thing, right. it's so stressful. Yeah. Like, oh, it's stressful out of my mind. And he was like, right, you know, like it was just that yeah. type of connection. So, yeah. so yeah, like it, uh, it also made me think because you had brought this up earlier, Brandy, um, that, uh, you know, maybe like a neurodiverse channel is a place where people could find connections. Um, and I think that's a really good idea. I had worked on an article um, it's like a mental note for me to finish that article and push it out because just having somebody be like, Hey, I have ADHD and I think it's really dope. And, you know, maybe not everything is the easiest because of it, but it's kind of this cool thing that we have and, or that I have and, and that, you know, I've found that we can work through it kind of thing. That's, that's right. a good idea. The more people talk about it, the better, I think is what I'm trying yeah, to say about totally. And, and so like for people who are neurotypical, to just, I don't, you know, I don't have any like straight up advice for, for people, but just like having launch school be a community where, you know, just the idea that one could be neurodiverse or could be neurotypical is helpful, right? It's just like nice for people to think that it's like, you know, you can ask mm-hmm. or you can talk about it or feel free to share or whatever. Um, yeah. It's just nice to have that, that on people's radar. it is a learning curve, right? And I think that's something... Um, whether or not you're neurodiverse or neurotypical, um, you know, not to minimize that, but that everyone coming into launch school is on a learning curve. I think people show up and they see, you know, Benjamin in RB175 and he's posting this thing and I don't know what he's talking about, but it seems really cool. And look, 10 people replied to him. He has this figured out, but they don't realize that, you know, in RB101, you were sitting there in the same shoes going, who are these people? Everyone's so confident. Everyone's learning. Like, how do I fit into this? And so there's a learning curve with everyone, especially since um, I know very few people who have experience with mastery-based learning Mm, before launch school. And very few people, more so than mastery-based learning, but also few people who have done online learning. Um, And even with online learning, I think most launch school students are the only person they know in real life who are doing launch school. So you talk to your friends and family and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. And they're like, so is it a degree? And you're like, well, no, but explaining it to other people, right? It's hard. And so I think it's a good perspective for people to just see that um, it's a learning curve at the beginning and to, like you said, have grace with yourself. And uh, I think some people have higher expectations or are more of a perfectionist so being willing to try and fail and, you know, it doesn't take away from your success as a student and the student that you are working on becoming, right? Right. I think that's very insightful, Brandy. Um, I, I would also say, you know, I think what I was going for before to be like maybe 100% on every assessment, I think what I've done now is like I want to pass with a 94 on everything only because in one assessment – or like a couple assessments, I got a hundred percent and I had that feeling of being overprepared. And like, to be clear, I got a hundred percent on like whatever assessment, but I also got a not yet before. So I'm not saying like I'm the best yeah. student ever or anything. Um, but just like, I think the, the sweet spot for me is like a 94 where it's like, I'm, I still hold myself accountable to the learning. I mean, actually a better way to say this is, and I wrote this down in my notes before we talked is that I want to own my understanding and my education. I don't want it to own me, right? So that when I move through a course, I am not held hostage by like these ideas that like, oh yeah, like we kind of did these ideas in that, in this course and I didn't really quite understand it. Like that is, that's just, I'm not moving on if that's the case, right? But I think I can like be pretty solid 
on the content at a 94% level, pass the assessment and whatever I got wrong, you know, like, you know, figure out and submit the revisions, right? Re- and I like keep track of this own stuff just for myself. It's like, what did I miss? You know, mm-hmm. to see if there's trends or whatever. But I try not to go for a hundred percent only because I think for me, it kind of slows me down in a way that is less productive. There, there's some, yeah. there's some type of like diminishing returns rule at play right. here. And like 94% seems like the sweet spot where if I get a grade lower than that, like I was unprepared and I shouldn't have taken the, mm-hmm. the assessment. But anyway, that's my personal opinion that I think can kind of be a healthy, a healthy yeah. progress sweet over spot. perfection. Yes. Yeah, I think in a lot of big companies, in software companies, actually, they have this thing that they say that if you aren't making any mistakes, then you're not moving fast enough, right? Yeah. And that's, that makes I sense feel to me. like a lot of people could use that advice here at launch school that um, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to make mistakes, you know, shoot for the stars, but be okay when you, um, you know, land on that A instead of the A plus, it's okay. And um, you don't want to stay with the material until you hate it, right? You don't want to resent object-oriented programming by the time you take <laughs> the assessment, right? You want to learn right. the tools and then move on and then use those tools and continue learning. Um, but it's okay to, you know, try, right? It is. Yeah. Great. Well, let's talk about just one more thing because I'm really curious um, – I think it's a compliment when a teacher of 12 years chooses launch school. So what was your take on launch school as someone who spent so much time in education? Yeah. Um, Well, I'll tell you what. I think it's like what drew me to launch school was the philosophical framework around which launch school is built Um, or maybe like perhaps on top of which is a better way to describe that. And we, at my school where I taught in Chicago, um, I taught at this wonderful school, Peyton College Prep, and it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic public school in the city. Um, and we taught our math courses um, at Algebra 1, Geometry, and Algebra 2 at, with mastery-based learning. Uh, oh, really? Essentially the, yeah, essentially the exact same... Um, concept and philosophy behind launch schools, mastery based learning. Um, and we had, you know, a different grading structure or whatever for the kids to move through, but it was the same thing where, you know, you, you had multiple opportunities to show, um, proficiency in the work, um, and that your, you know, your grade could change from, you know, uh, an 80% to a 90% and then a 90% to a hundred. If you demonstrate that evidence over time. Um, and, and just how that is like, that makes a lot of sense where, you know, the ways that we learn is, you know, you learn a little bit over time and then a little bit more. And then sometimes you circle back, um, mm-hmm. and, and relearn that stuff in, in other courses. And that's really helpful, but, um, it's just a very, like, I really respected that launch school took this approach of like, we are not going to move at one pace because that optimizes for the convenience of the teachers and the school. It does not optimize for the learning and the performance of the students. So what we're going to do instead is move at the pace that is appropriate for the student and not move on until they have mastered the necessary skills 
to move on in a way that makes sense, right? Like, and, and this is nice. This is something that mathematics, which is what I primarily taught um, in high, at my, when I was a teacher, um, and software engineering is that these skills that you learn in previous classes build on themselves over They're time. Cumulative, yeah. They are cumulative, and so it, it it makes a lot of sense to have it um, that way. Um, so I love that. I, and I love, you know, Chris seems like a, uh, I know him a little bit. We've had a couple of chats, um, and he just seems like a wonderful and thoughtful guy who is committed to transparency and running a school in an ethical manner that is dedicated to student outcomes and student performance mm-hmm. and student experience. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate, um, an organization that is built around this idea of like, there's no shortcuts to do something really hard and really meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that that really resonates with me. Um, and it, you know, it was also like, I, yeah, university of Chicago, which is where I, I live in Hyde park in Chicago, university of Chicago doesn't have a self-paced program, you know, and I really want to be mm-hmm. present with my daughter. So, uh, mm-hmm. again, the structure of it is nice, but I love that there's also capstone where that is more of a traditional classroom setting where there's like actual synchronous classes and that type of thing. That seems really, um, it seems like a nice balance of, of what is going to help me get a job, but also fit well with my priorities in my life right now. So yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to continue this process and learn. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Thanks. Uh, I think I have just one more question and that is, was it, were there any difficulties that you had going from a teacher to a student? I imagine that might've been hard. Yeah. Um, no, it was mostly just liberating Brandy. <laughs> You're like, no, what a relief. It, it, it is. It really, I mean, it's so joyful, right? It is like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like being a teacher is joyful. I loved my job. My, my kids were always amazing every year, no matter what I taught at three different schools over my time. Um, the kids are always so great, but, but, you know, it is, I mean, it's it, teaching is a great job because it is so demanding and, and intellectually engaging and challenging. And that's a very fulfilling, uh, career. Um, and, and, it's, and it's, makes it not a great job at the same time, I guess. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's demanding you know, and exhausting. Yeah, it is. And so when I was like twenties and, and young thirties, I was like, cool, this is, this feels good. This is the right fit for what I want to do with my life right now. And then, um, you know, like I said, with becoming a parent, I have, I I have a, a different set of priorities and my family became number one, my daughter, our, our daughter became number one. So, um, so yeah, it just felt liberating. I mean, um, it felt liberating and joyful. I mean, don't get me wrong. Being a student is challenging, but the transition from being a teacher to being a student just felt really joyful. It just felt so Mm -hmm. fun and like liberating to be responsible for myself. And, uh, and, and I had, uh, you know, honestly, it was a great, I mean, what better, what, what better job to have before being a student is like teaching other people to be good students, right? Like so much Mm -hmm. of my job was not teaching calculus, even though I taught calculus most of the years I was a teacher. Um, the, the, what I'm actually teaching is like teaching people, children, you know, high schoolers, to develop good structures and habits to help them own their own learning, right? That idea of owning learning does not come from 
me, but it comes from my my background as a teacher. Um, and I will say, is it okay if I share a couple of ideas real quick about ADHD sure. real quick? So yeah, just uh, is that a little out of order, but hopefully it doesn't matter is that um, what really helped me uh, not just make progress um, as a person with ADHD, because like oftentimes um, people with ADHD need to develop executive functioning skills. They have to put a lot, like I've had to put a lot more work into developing executive functioning skills well into adulthood. And I think uh, like disproportionately more work than my neurotypical peers. So like no shame. Uh, well, I say this with, uh, with <laughs> like laughing a little bit, but no shame that I didn't really use a calendar in my life until I was 22, 23 wow. years old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like professionally, I did one, I did use a calendar in school, but that was just for schoolwork. But then I didn't like use a calendar in my life until I was 23 so, and like, you know what, if you don't use a calendar now and you're 30 or 40 or whatever, like who cares? You, you know, like plenty of people don't, but if you have ADHD and you don't yet, that's a really, that's a really powerful tool. Um, but what we do before we di- dive into the calendar is my partner and I dive into our priorities for the week. Um, and anybody could do this, right? It's just like, figure out what you want your ideal week to look like. And so like how many hours uh, a week and how many times per week? So like how many how many days a week are you going to be exercising? Were you cooking? Were you eating? Um, like this type of ticky tacky, like, like, Oh, I have to remember to eat here. Like a neurotypical person might think like, wait, what are you talking about? Like plan eating. But for a person with ADHD, especially if they're on prescribed medication, like Adderall or these other stimulants, um, you know, it's, it's easy to forget to eat actually. Like I can't tell you how many times we call the microwave in my, in my house, the Heidi hole, because I'll like put my lunch in <laughs> the microwave. You put stuff in and leave it there? Well, because I forget. Because I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like in the middle of a project or a problem or whatever. And then like, you know, it finishes heating up the soup or whatever. But then I just forget about it. And then like yeah. at 4 like p.m. Did you eat lunch? And like, no, it's in the hidey hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've, I've gotten better at that over the years. But I'm just saying like that is a, you know, if, if anybody's wondering like, what is it like a, a, a day in the life of a dude with ADHD? It's like I forget to eat yeah. a lot. And so that's in yeah. my calendar, right? And like meal prepping and um, exercise and like fun time, outdoor time, like whatever, whatever fills your cup. Because the thing that I found is if I don't fill the other needs in my life, like exercise is a big one for me then I can't show up fully present in my studies. And so what I do is I don't think of like, just like for these six hours, I'm going to plan like what I'm going to do for the first two hours and what I'm going to do for the next two hours. But I plan the whole week because I think being a successful student is being a successful whole person and taking a look at your holistic approach to how you're building your life or how you're organizing your life can really lead to success in being a student. And so when I have those three hours a day or whatever it is. Um, I mean, this is why earlier I said like three hours and 15 minutes to three hours and 45 minutes. Depending yeah, on the day, five specific. minutes. Right. So like the reason it's specific is executive functioning and ADHD. Yeah. And so if I don't have a plan, you know, it's easy for like, just, I don't know, for me personally, it's just easy for the hours to like, yeah. like disappear. And I didn't even see them happening. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not what we want, you know, like an intentional, an intentional life can be, can be a really well lived life. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that, you know, setting priorities first and then building your calendar to match your priorities, mm-hmm. uh, not the other way around. Got to do priorities first is really is really helpful. Right. Um, 
And then, you know, like I, I, I said earlier, I have seven close friends and everybody tells you to go to the spot sessions, but guess where I met most of those friends is the spot sessions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them I actually met when I was like, Hey, I passed this thing. I'll help you pass. Not, you know, I, I got an eye yet. And then I passed, let me help you pass. Like, yeah, I think like three of the people I worked with from that have become really close friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's a, that's like a shout out to these things that kind of everybody says, but, uh, it leads to you real connections. Too. Yeah. I say yeah. too. I, 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 yes. I'm the thousandth person to say, go to the spot sessions. They're really helpful. Mm-hmm. That's great advice for anyone, you know, add another layer of structure on top of the structure that launch school gives us, especially in that self-paced environment, especially if you're neurodiverse and sometimes struggle with motivation or feeling overwhelmed, maybe um, totally. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, well, that's great. Thank you so much, Benjamin. I think um, this has been great. It's really good for students, I think, to uh, see the real person behind the student who is, you know, about halfway through the core curriculum and, you know, someone that they can relate to and realize that, you know, whatever your situation, most of us are not the exception. Most of us can do this and it might take some systems. It might take, you know, a calendar on top of your calendar, but um, we can do it. And uh, thanks so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Brandy. This has been really fun. And uh, I've always looked up to you as a TA. I really respect you. And I'm so glad that you asked me to be uh, interviewed. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Have a good one, Benjamin. Okay, great. Okay, bye.